Hey guys, welcome to another edition of CB2MP. Uh, we actually have all three Guild Boys today. I am your moderator. Ah, uh, damn. And uh, let's get it started with the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, normally we're probably going to go like movie for movie, but since it's in the first two episodes, uh, we're just going to go with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, let's just start off by naming all the way up to the movie we're going to start with. So, Marvel Cinematic Universe includes all three Iron Man movies, uh, two Thor movies, uh, three Captain America movies, one Ant-Man movie, one Hulk movie, and uh, one Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I think that's everything besides the Avengers movies. Which, are, there are two Avengers movies. Right? I got everything? Sounds right to me, I think. Alright. I love how we all agree that there's one Hulk movie. And, uh, unfortunately... Mm, I, I soft agree. <laughs> it Technically, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there is only one Hulk movie, even though you could shoehorn in Hulk as done by Ang Lee, starring Eric Bana and Nick Nolte. Uh, right, it's, it's, it's not a, that it the Incredible Hulk show. is a soft reboot. Yeah, yeah, but it's not that it doesn't fit. It's just that it doesn't fit well. No, it's it's kind of a, as far as fitting, the there's area. actually only one scene that did even dis- that disregards it, and that's that brief flashback of Edward Norton taking the gamma serum via a needle. Yep. If it wasn't for that one thirty-second clip, you could just say it was a sequel and move along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. But we're not here to I talk about that. I was referring to tone and planning. <laughs> yeah, they hadn't birthed the quote-unquote quote MCU. I don't think they had... To, yeah, they hadn't established their studio yet, because they did that with uh, Iron Man. Well, also, yeah. uh, Hulk yeah. is owned by Universal, and they wanted to put a movie out before they lost the rights. And before they made... Right. The- they managed to inter- in, uh, intersect with the two ideas, right? Yes. Universal was going forward with another Hulk movie. They were coming up with the concept of their shared universe, so they partnered with them in developing Incredible Hulk. And actually, That's why uh, the first two movies of Phase 1 are Incredible Hulk and Iron Man from 2007. Uh, Universal, which actually owns... Uh, shit, now I can't even remember the name of the company. Uh, that basically became... The Paramount? Uh, Paramount, Paramount? Yes. Paramount, okay. uh, which basically became Marvel Studios. Uh, yeah. so, uh, Disney, when they came in, bought Marvel Studios from Paramount, whose, uh, father company, or, you know, mother company, whatever you want to call it, is, uh, Universal. The so, first Disney one, would that be Iron Man 3? I uh, think so. Because I think I don't think it ever I don't think it Avengers. ever came up until Iron Man two. The 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 purchase happened before Avengers came out, but Avengers was already in development. There weren't a lot of Disney people in charge of yeah. anything. But so, it did ha- they 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 were bought by Avengers. So the next movie was Iron Man three, right? So yeah, I guess it would be Iron Man three. Yeah, but I think so. We're not even gonna start with that one. We're gonna start with Age of Ultron anyway. Uh, yes. That would be the second Avengers movie, the one of the last movies of Phase 2. Actually, 
All right, I know we agreed on this pre-show, but can I actually make an alternate suggestion for a starting point? I knew you were Just because I don't think we've that. covered it. Daredevil, season one. Uh, in other words, we're going to touch on the shows in general, but Daredevil season one was post-Battle of New York, pre-Age of Ultron, right? That it was. Fair assessment. And, uh, yeah, okay, let's start with Daredevil season one, which is probably the best uh, Marvel show that they had at Ever? the time. No, probably. <laughs> uh, in well, the, it's got to beat the movie. Fair, well, that's a low bar. Fair <laughs> assessment with uh, Daredevil season one. <clears throat> Though, I uh, I feel like uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil season one, same tier. That's my feeling. Uh, same but, tier, sure, but personally, if I had to pick, I still say season one Daredevil is the best of the three S- counting season two as you know, just best of the three seasons of Marvel Television that are currently up. Yeah, I actually right. can hear our that's, audience. That's, member, that's uh, a rough category because I love all three. I love both seasons of Daredevil, and I love Jessica Jones, and I'm really stoked for tomorrow with I, Luke Cage. Yeah, I, I just heard our audience. Uh, as as with all the, uh, as with the, uh, anybody who's watched uh, the last episode. Same as with DC. I haven't actually gotten around to watching any of these yet, so I'm the the dirty heathen. The, no, yeah, I'm, actually I'm actually a dirty heathen too because the only you haven't seen any of show. No, I've been meaning to get around to it really? for a while now. I just haven't gotten there. The only right, so we're gonna show keep... I am intimately familiar with is uh, the Flash. We generally try to keep it spoiler light anyway, but we'll keep that in mind and yeah. keep Daredevil season two in particular uh, on a bit of a leash. I think. Yeah, what do you think, Ted? I think the the big spoil. We can talk about most of it because most of it's been told. I think the big spoiler. Of I think the two. Kingpin stuff that would be a big spoiler we got into yesterday anyway. Yeah. <laughs> True. Oopsie. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's get into uh, a little bit of Daredevil. Just Daredevil uh, failed movie at first, starring uh, Batman. Right. Uh, they got the rights back from Fox in a really weird deal. Uh, basically what happened was, uh, Disney said, you can keep the rights to Daredevil if we get Silver Surfer, or, uh, Silver Surfer and Galactus. And Fox said, no, we want to keep no. the Silver Surfer and Galactus. And I still don't know which to- I would prefer. That, I feel that we have fantastic Daredevil television that I wouldn't want to trade for the world, but I also feel like in a post-Guardians of the Galaxy universe, I would love it if Marvel just had all their space-themed shit back. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's a rough one. But that's all we would get. Were, well, Marvel's big... Really. One of Marvel's big things... Well, yeah, and I, I'm not holding out for that than... Star Jammers film that, I, that I'm hoping for. Or actually, I wouldn't mind it if Fox were to compete with Guardians by making a Star Jammers film. And it's that assumes though that they're able to make one that's of the same caliber. And Fox's handling of of their superhero properties has been typical format for um for when Ted and I were doing these. Um, generally we would do like a Fox corner after we covered MCU. So we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll do a brush up. Okay, because the state of the Fox superhero film has seen some ups and downs since we last convened. It's a big actually, and yeah. But also fan four stick. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, their X Men franchise right. has exceeded expectations, in my opinion. But oh, then, yes. what the fuck was Fantastic Four? 
But yeah, let's not do that yet. Uh, so yeah, we had Daredevil. And then, actually, I think we did get Age of Ultron right after that. Yeah. So Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yesterday, uh, what I'm going to go through each one of you individually. Uh, and I think we'll start with the youngest first. The biggest gripe of Age of Ultron. Duncan? Pacing as well as the Hulk Tasha thing. I just don't get it. My biggest, but I have to say my biggest problem overall is the fact that it felt like they were trying to cram like three stories into one movie and make it all tie in. So a little bit and of sequelitis, you say? too rushed. A little bit. I mean, nowhere near as bad as I was expecting, to be honest. Because how do you follow up a movie like The Avengers properly? Mm. I mean, that's not a movie that can just be... It that's can't fair. just yeah. be followed. So... Yeah. Okay. Plus, with I mean, the nature of the MCU... Yeah. It's not just following just the movie, like they were not it's following to a bunch be- of other movies, plus some stuff that's happened on TV... I just felt like they were trying to include several new characters, relationships, things like that. Like Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Ultron, as well as everything concerning uh, Hydra. It just felt like it was too much for one movie. I think if they'd stuck with a single storyline instead of trying to merge them all, it would have been a better movie. Yeah, I... I, It's odd because um, I feel like the first Avengers actually did that too, but nailed it. Um, like yeah, I, I feel like, like the first Avengers was it was a sequel to Iron Man, a sequel to Captain America: The First Avenger, a sequel to Thor, all in one. And Hulk, and it all blended perfectly. And Hulk, I don't yeah, think it was necessarily. I don't actually see the Avengers no, as no, I, a sequel <clears throat> movie. Actually, myself. I see, I, I I see think it I, as a blend. I think I understand Duncan's point. And not as a sequel. Let me try to put it in words. Uh, that maybe is a different way than what Duncan's trying to say. The characters that were introduced, uh, kind of the same way in Batman v Superman, they were not introduced the way that they should have been. Uh, yes. We didn't get the feel for any of these characters, really, Before other than... their big yeah, moment. Exactly. Uh, you don't feel anything That's at fair. the end of Age of Ultron because you didn't spend the time with Quicksilver. And that's like, yeah, he's cool and he's fun, but we've had like half an hour of this guy on screen, maybe. Yeah. It's like, to be honest, if you had to pick Quicksilver or Hawkeye, you're going to pick Hawkeye every damn time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because Hawkeye's the better actor anyway. But well, I was about to say, if I had to pick (laughs) Jeremy Renner versus uh, Kick-Ass. Or the little kid that played Charlie Chaplin in uh, (laughs) Shanghai Nights. Yes. Aaron Taylor Johnson was the little kid that played Charlie Chaplin in Shanghai Nights. Look it up if you don't believe me. Oh, speaking of Hawkeye, like we were talking about with uh, Steve Amell uh, yesterday, kudos to the live-action universes of their respective series of taking uh, relatively who-gives-a-shit archers. You wonder why they're on this team in the first place and actually making them some of the better characters. Okay, when we're bringing up Arrow, let's just be honest here, that is the best Batman show never made. We covered that yesterday, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I just want to be perfectly clear on this. Yep. 
But uh, this opinion so- uh, has been stated and seems to be universally agreed upon. Yep. More so, or less. I, I think I can. Uh, so let's go to Connor. What's your biggest gripe with Age of Ultron? Um, I know that Duncan mentioned it, but didn't. But it wasn't really touched on in favor of the of the uh, pacing issues. So I'm gonna say it again. Hulk Tasha is not a thing that they should have even attempted. It was so shoehorned. Like I, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, I wish. Can I be the the aberrant? Uh, yeah, not because that, uh, I was going to unmute our audience member because I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's an opinion on that end. But yeah, go ahead, Rai. Uh, I not that I'm like that I ship it personally in any meaningful way, but to me, I come at these things actually with a, a perspective that I think a lot of people don't watch them with, and that's because I spend probably more time than is healthy getting the most bang for my Marvel Unlimited buck, and before that, spending ungodly amounts of money on comicsology. So, to me, the notion of multiverses is very much always in my mind when I'm watching any of these adaptations. So, I'm more open to certain changes or quote-unquote shoehorned aspects than, uh, than some. And so, just simply viewing it as the sequel to The Avengers... They did have a bit of that, like, she's the one who was sent out specifically to get him, and he seemed to have some kind of repressed some sort of feeling for her to the point that when he turned into the Hulk, he keyed in on her to, like, fucking murder her. And then afterwards, like, they didn't spend any real amount of time on it. I'm not saying it was a major aspect of Avengers, but there was a little something psychologically there between the two of them. And so the notion of in the aftermath, I could see them bonding. Granted, we didn't actually see them bonding because... That's my problem. I don't necessarily have a problem with the idea of Hulk Tasha. I mean, the concept of it is not inherently a bad one. Yeah, sure. But they didn't give us any build-up, any inherent connection. It's just, boom, here it is. Can I I throw this out there then to to further qualify what I'm saying? I don't have a problem with the ship in and of itself. I have a problem with the fact that it felt shoehorned and just badly executed because there was nothing leading up to it. It's just like, here it is, accept this. Could I expand your complaint out and actually just say team bonding mechanics, period? Um, like I mentioned yesterday, uh, the, the friend I have who had complained about the Civil War trailers acting like Tony and, uh, and Steve were BFFs, and we're largely supposed to get that from, I guess, Age of Ultron, because we're kind of told that in between these films, they've been doing hardcore avenging. We just kind of get this one opening scene of them fighting and are told that they've been doing this and have to accept that they've bonded as a team. So yeah. there's really the, the opening fight scene leading into the party is pretty much where we're supposed to just sort of accept the mechanics as they're as we're given and understand that the development happened off screen. I understand why for timing and pacing they had to do it that way, but it is a flaw. Mm. Well, okay. that ties back that's into also, my That's where they problem. introduced us to Hulk Tasha. That's where everybody was chummy in certain ways. That I don't fair, necessarily but have I felt a terrible like the problem rest with. Of them, I could tell that they had this kind of relationship now, whereas Hulk Tasha always felt... It rang hollow a little bit. 
Like I didn't. My see biggest problem much. again. Well, wasn't if they were going to do any sort of romance, it's kind of the only way they, only one they could have done. So oh, oh, uh, I'm going to throw this. Everyone one out else here. is either I'm taken in some way. Like we were like like Steve Tasha is kind of not a thing as explored yeah, and Roman disregarded in Winter myself. Soldier. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm still kind of hoping that that one gets its day in the sun. I didn't to be hear honest. that. But Duncan, again, well, I think that if you're I think that if, he's hoping uh, for like Hulk a Steve Tasha. Tasha. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of ro- rooting for that one. Uh, no, I think that if they... Same with my other problems concerning, like, Hawkeye... Or not Hawkeye, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and so on. If they had decided and tried in any way to spread this out over another movie or given us a little bit more in the Avengers to tie it in, or even any kind of tie-in reference during one of the other movies, if they'd mentioned Bruce during Winter Soldier, I would not have had as much problem with Hulk Tasha as I did. I'll raise you one. Outside uh, of rights and whatnot, what the one thing we're missing is because of those split rights that Ted mentioned earlier uh, with Paramount, we really need uh, a Hulk movie somewhere in here to justify yes. Banner. Banner right now is strictly like an Avengers character who can, yeah, he or he's a floater. He can show up in other people's movies, and he's a linchpin of the Avengers. But he's the only My one of the core team actually. outside of actually, well, outside of Natasha herself, she's actually become an official Captain America add-on. I would actually uh, say to oh, contrast Hulk Tasha, a good ship that they've done with very little lead-in. I liked how they handled uh, Vision and. Scarlet Witch. Yes. That, that, one very done. Natural that one's a little easier to swallow for me, though, also, because that one was one of those... Because they're married. ...a thing in the comics kind of thing, so I didn't need yeah. much lead-in for that. Well, they did I kind of went in the movie being like, I bet you those two are going to be cute with each other. It on its own, I can tell you, like, I know very little about either of them uh, in the comics, so taking taken on its own, it works much better. Okay. So, My um, only knowledge wait, about wait, wait, them really is I, that it was uh, a thing. Up. Uh, nope. Ryan, your biggest gripe with Age of Ultron. Well, again, just the the general ensemble pacing issue. I don't think it did it quite as well as its predecessor. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I agree with. Like, uh, for Duncan. example, one of the coolest scenes feels disconnected from the rest of the film. Which is that? Which one is that? Hulk versus uh, Iron Man. It's like yes. my favorite scene okay. in the film, but it also seems like it was like, and now we have to have this fight because it was pretty much how we sold the trailers. Very like true. it didn't, it wasn't organic to what was going on. Yet it was still an Fair. awesome sequence in and of itself. But just as far as overall film pacing, all right. Uh, let's go with the next, probably the weirdest film that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Ant-Man. Oh, God, I love Ant-Man. Personally, I love that movie, and I felt like it was done really well, especially due to the fact that I am not a fan of the character of Hank Pym. So then I'm creating this that character the fact that, that... not a Hank Pym movie. That well, movie yes, was sort of in the Guardians, the Guardians of the Galaxy category of, I think, its complete lack of expectations on my behalf led into me loving it almost disproportionately. <laughs> makes because sense. I, if you, it, I've never purchased an Ant-Man comic. I don't care when Ant-Man is guest starring in another arc. 
I had nothing that character, and that movie was fantastic. Well, he, I did have a couple of problems with uh, the movie, but there's more. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I, I miss Ephraim's hair. If anyone watches The Strain, the actor who plays the main character on The Strain was the bad guy in Ant Man, and I think that the reason he's still bald on The Strain to this day is because he shaved his <laughs> uh, hair off to play. Uh, what the heck was his name? Oh, that was legit. That was not a. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, I don't remember what his name was. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, he ha- I- he has hair on or had hair in the first uh, couple seasons of the uh, for the first season of The Strain. And then he shows up on Ant-Man bald, and then he's got, like, this kind of, like, buzz going on on the strain after that. And I was like, there, people were like, why did Ephraim shave his hair? And I'm like, well, probably because uh, he was an Ant-Man, and he had to shave it all off. Uh, a couple of things for me. It just it very much seemed <clears throat> like they were trying to do did you just a shoot me? Shaun of the Dead or, you know, a... Cornetto trilogy esque movie, and I know that's probably because Edgar Wright wrote most of the movie. Yeah, right. Uh, before Peyton Reed took over and did his rewrite plus directed it. Uh, it explains the humor style of the film. If, yeah, if you uh, are a big so fan funny, though. of the Cornetto stuff, Lewis is right out of the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, yeah. Everything that he says is basically. You know, go. Uh, you know, pick up Liz, pick up Mom. You know, kill Phil. Go to the Winchester. That's yeah, exactly. The whole, <laughs> that's basically Lewis in a nutshell. The, the the timing and everything is like right out of that kind of. And it, I just seemed like that was shoehorned in to have Peyton Reed go. See Edgar, I really liked your stuff. When some of the other <laughs> stuff was pure Peyton Reed type comedy and not Edgar Wright type comedy. I felt like even though Lewis was an awesome character, he kind of felt like an outsider to the universe because he wasn't actually fitting in with the rest of the flow of comedy in that movie. Okay. Uh, That's fair, I guess. And, uh, also, uh, I'd hate to be the scientific douche, but, uh, how do you get, if, if Ant-Man... Are are you pulling the science card in a comic book movie? Well, if Ant-Man still has all his strength and basically is the same density... you pulled the science card in Metal Gear Talk earlier. Yeah. If Iron Man is the same density, no matter what form he takes... Uh, Iron Man? No, no, no. If, or Ant-Man. If Ant-Man, sorry. If Ant-Man is the same density... Iron Man. No, sorry. If Ant-Man is the same density in no matter what form he takes, if he's smaller or big, uh, wouldn't those limits also be for the tank that is in Hank, in, in Hank Pym's pocket? He's basically dragging a tank. Well, if that was the case, he would also be completely unable to uh, ride an ant, because he would completely fucking crush them. That's true. Yeah, I don't know what the pseudoscience is, but I don't think it's quite that he's the same density. No, density would refer to, would mean that his weight doesn't change at all, and he's just a really short guy. You're talking mass. 
And as far as I, his, uh, his strength applications when he's the way little, the I just wave that off with the same Spider-Man kind of proportional nonsense. Yeah, the way his mass is... Ex- the way the technology is explained, his mass should be the same, but in execution, that seems to be very selective. Very but that's always been a problem with Ant-Man. Alright. Alright, so uh, let's switch it up, and uh, we'll start with... Uh, let's go with Connor. What is the... Best thing about Ant-Man. Best thing about Ant-Man. Probably the comedy. Like, it does a lot of things really well, but more than anything else, I think it's probably one of the funniest Marvel movies that they've done. <laughs> like, I, I love how they managed In a post-Guardians of the Galaxy world. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Alright. Uh, Ryan? Like I, I love how much they managed okay. to intersperse it into the entire script, and it didn't feel, at least to me, be terribly shoehorned or anything. Right. Fair enough. Uh, Ryan? I use that phrase a lot, don't I? Uh, Anthony. Oh. Um. <laughs> I hear our audience... Just no, really, like, just, uh... just making me interested in the character of Ant-Man. Like... The, that I actually cheered when when Lang showed up in Civil War compared to right. how much I cared about the character of Ant-Man, the characters of Ant-Man, either of them, prior to that film, to the point that he'd be someone I'd be super stoked to see in another film. Isn't there a third Ant-Man? They, just, they did a really good job with a property that no one expected. Any, that's been actually a strength of theirs, more so than... In some others, like, people will have their criticisms of, like, an Avengers film or an Iron Man film here and there, but they have this ability to pull out these properties. They could be like, we're making a Misty Knight film, and it would probably be excellent. Even uh, though going into it, you'd be like, Misty Knight, um, didn't she date Luke Cage? I mean, um, Iron Fist? Uh, Misty Knight is in Luke Cage. Oh, is she? Nice. And, uh, yeah, and apparently they hook up. <laughs> See, you get you get what I'm saying. Like, like well, kind of like we talked about before when we were talking about um, Marvel uh, killing off its villains more often than DC. Yeah. And you mentioned, in all unironicness, the Purple Man. And then so we brought up um, who cared about the Purple Man prior to the Netflix Jessica series. That's actually who cared really about good. Jessica prior to the Netflix Jessica series. I think that's like me and ten other people. That's a really good um, segue. In my case, it was no only because I'm a Luke was. Cage fan and she's married to the guy. Yeah. So I, I root for her because usually she shows up as like buddy of Spider Man or the chick keeping their daughter safe. That is an awesome segue <laughs> well, the thing for Jessica Jones Jessica about me. Jessica Jones is that my dad brought it up at one point, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, "I'm watching Jessica Jones." I'm like, "Oh, what's that about?" And he's like, "It's a Marvel show." I'm like, "It is." I've never. I like heard how you say my person. dad. Like seventy five percent of this podcast doesn't have the same father. <laughs> well, there. you know you have the same father. But they don't have the same well, father. Yeah, the, the, the audience like the, Fair enough. is not well, they are aware of this. I don't know. In the, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. In the pictographic for the podcast, it says the Gill Boys and Ted. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I hate you all. <laughs> That's a very good segue into Jessica yeah, Jones. Yeah, he's watching Jessica Jones, and I'm like, what's that about? He's like, it's a Marvel show, and I'm like, I have no idea who that is. 
What? <laughs> if you've ever read like Civil War stuff, for example, when Luke was deciding not to back the initiative, they would have like tense scenes where he was discussing what to do with his wife and she'd be holding the baby because she largely retired from superheroics. But that's like kind of that my most of my context of Jessica Jones was ever. Luke Cage's superpowered wife who doesn't like to fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That, so that child is going to be the most badass street level hero in the entire le- universe. Let's segue into uh, Jessica Jones now because I know two of our uh, people haven't really watched it. I don't want to get into spoilers about it, but uh, just a little bit of history about Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones really started uh as a she was a schoolmate of Peter Parker's uh back in the day cool and then something happened i don't actually know cuz she I, had a crush on him too which yeah. he wasn't aware of yeah yeah i was really? about to say when you were mentioning Jessica Jones like didn't she once have a thing for spidey yep oh yeah she i i i know that because of the conversation i think it was civil war but she tells spidey well no she knows his identity so they're talking, and he, she's like, I had the biggest crush on you, like, before he was even Spider-Man. And he was like, what, really? And it's like, you know, she's married now, and I don't just think something... he was attached because of the One New Day stuff. But, it was still, like, it wasn't a conversation Ugh. that was going to lead to anything. There's just something just like, about redheads for uh, for Peter Parker. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, which, if, you're wa- if you watch the series, she's not a redhead in the series. But in the comic books, for the most part, she was a redhead. Uh... To the point where, uh, actually an alias where Jessica Jones really shined in the comics. Uh, which actually mm-hmm. the Jessica Jones series pulls heavily from. But, uh. Yeah. And, they just uh, can't use the word alias yeah. because alias. Which, but alias, uh, Starring that comic Electra. book was one of the, uh, yeah, was one of the bases that, uh, what's his face? Uh, J.J. Um, Abrams. Uh, guy doing pulled, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, J.J. Yeah, Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, how did I forget that he, name? He pulled a lot of the character of Sydney from Jessica. Like, her motivations and everything like that from Jessica. Okay. Also, Alias was a Max comic. Uh, if you're familiar with the Marvel mm. Max series, those were the adult comics. They're like graphic uh, novelly, kind of like a DC's Vertigo line. Yeah, uh, they okay. basically tackle issue, stuff. Yeah, issues that yeah. they wouldn't uh, normally tackle in a comic book. Uh, and uh, they tackled something, uh, they tackled the same thing in the series, which was uh, what constitutes rape. Yep. And uh, something okay, that... It, it, wow. it is an uncomfortable issue that is raised in the... In the series and the comic book. Uh, it's one of the reasons I do hold it on the same tier as Daredevil. Is because they're willing to go places that other comic book shows aren't really willing to go. I'd um, agree with that. There's even a weird part where the... Um, like that awkward moment where the more or less rapist in the situation asks a question and you're kind of like... You know, I'm. I can kind of understand his viewpoint. Yeah. Would this be the evil doctor? Not, not in any way to excuse anything about what that man does. Uh, but he, at one point, there is kind of a vulnerable moment where. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, are we talking about the evil doctor? Because that's the whole reason that I'm terrified of the villain for that show. Yeah. He well, he his his power. If you know the if you know him at all from the comics, is Mind that control. it's basically power. Or yeah, he, via his voice, via he, suggestion. Yeah. He actually so he, the, uh, he kind of brings up the point of with his power, which isn't conscious. It's it's just it happens when he talks. So he's never really certain to, if anyone is ever really doing anything consensually with him. Yeah. He doesn't. Uh, have, he doesn't have a concept of a line in that case because he can't turn that ability off. Like also, it's not presented in a way to excuse an abuser, and he's plenty deplorable. That kind of reminds me of uh, Star Fox. Oh yeah, exactly. Actually, the whole thing with um, Star Fox for our viewers at home being—is um, he related to Thanos or just from the same pe- same he's culture? Related, I what? think somehow. Uh, is he like his cousin or something? Something like that. He's a he's type a, he's a, he ends he's, up becoming an Avenger. Yeah. His his he's got a he's got a pheromone ability, and at one point he has a relationship with She Hulk, and then when she finds out what his power is, she's just like, So you basically rape me and she decks him and that's off. And he's like, I mean, I didn't intentionally use any a power on you, but yeah, yet people do tend to find me appealing. I don't know. <laughs> It's actually like unfair to him in that regard because if he doesn't intentionally misuse it, which I'm assuming is the difference between the two of them, which actually makes the Purple Man just, probably just about yeah. as likable as Wilson Fisk is, because you can understand the same. Uh, well, so, yeah, like Fisk. Fisk is a deplorable asshole who murders for his own gain, but there are elements of the family. character that are relatable. Yeah. He's willing to do anything for his wife. Right. And his triggers, like yes. the whole thing with, with, like, a lot of what he does in, in Daredevil is actually centered around his, he, he wants to be loved by people, by his, his girlfriend, and a lot of his triggers have to do with people kind of denying him what he feels is normalcy. And so he combats that by taking literally all of the power. Okay. All right. So uh, let's move into. This has always uh, been a weird one. Mm-hmm. Let's move actually into he's, he's, Daredevil season two. Because uh, I think that is Punisher season one. one. What? Yeah, which is basically. Uh, <laughs> That's what I hear. Was it? Arrow, it's Arrow season three. Uh, relatable. It's basically how Arrow season three brought in the Flash for a backdoor pilot. And every oh, yeah, episode right. after that pilot, they well, how's Flash Barry doing? Was briefly in, yeah. <laughs> and until like the series uh, came to fruition, but uh, we have a sorry fruition. I went Japanese for a second. Did you say <laughs> fruition. Fruition, yeah, fruition. But uh, so in season two, we actually did get Punisher as kind of the backdoor pilot. For a Punisher series, without them even realizing it was a backdoor pilot for a Punisher series, and I have to say I couldn't see John uh, Bernthal or Bernthal. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Bernthal. Bernthal. I could not see him as. I think it's B E R N. I couldn't see him as Frank Castle until that series. 
Like they announced him and everything. Do that Walking lot. Dead fan. His Punisher is basically that moment in season two Walking Dead when Shane shaved himself and went crazy. Lock that in, and that's Punisher. Yeah. I've never been a Punisher fan. It's actually con- not on basis of. I. It's hard to explain. I. Fall on the Spidey side of, of heroic, super heroics and killing with and whatnot a gun. because I'm tremendous Spider-Man fanboy. The the, the slippery and slope kind of thing where where Spidey tends to see Frank Castle as the same as the people he p- puts off the streets. Yeah, and well, also too, I've seen a few too many stories where he is. If you commit a like a carjacking and nobody gets hurt, he'll still shoot you in the head. The P- Punisher I, does I best, like in my opinion, it. when an when a talented author or you know team in general tackles a solo story. There are some good Punisher stories. When Punisher, for whatever reason, is brought in with the quote unquote superhero community, he is a very poor fit. Yeah. Because he's not yeah, a superhero that, that so much sense. as he is an '80s action star running around with other superheroes, and that's why he's like personified Arnold sense. Schwarzenegger the, or the something. Smartest you know thing what that I mean? they ever did. Or, well, Dolph Lundgren and to go off his first movie. The smartest thing that they ever did was put him against someone who does not actually have superpowers. Uh, yeah, yeah, he went up against uh, Daredevil. More or less, he went up against the Kurgan. Any Highlander <laughs> fans out there? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, when he's taking out, yeah, it's like the, so. The Punisher for me has always been a a character that I don't like it when he shows up because he's supposed to be one of the good guys, but he's always like he's always killing basically everybody that he is in a room with, and it bothers me. So, Connor, I, you I would think actually, if you ever have a chance to read like some solo Punisher. Like, again, he works best in context. He is... You know how, like, um, Doctor Strange is, like, a, a magician story done superhero style? Yeah. Punisher is an 80s action film done superhero style. It's the story about a guy who's, whose family was killed, who's getting revenge on the mob. That is, like, every other Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Lundgren film of the 80s. But it is that done in comic book form. And he works well in those types of stories. But then he starts hanging out with, like, Spider-Man or Captain America, and, sir, you have to leave. Yes. Okay, I guess. And so he works very well in the street-level superhero or street-level hero uh, seasons. And they do fully, the problem you have is fully explored. Oh, yeah. It is a constant theme of the season. Where Daredevil won't cross the line, and he most certainly will. Yep. There's a rooftop argument scene that is actually heavily pulled from comics, uh, where they have that out and explain their their where Daredevil's talking about you're not supposed to take human life. Uh, what about redemption? Uh, you know, you're not judge, jury, and executioner. And Frank is calling him out, saying that the filth he puts down doesn't actually have a soul. And, you know, you hit the bad guys and they get back up to go out in the streets and kill and rape again. I hit them, I make sure they stay down. Yeah. And that's how it pretty much goes for the entire uh, series, or the entire season. And there is another and, side of that argument where it's like, and, eventually and also there's Ted, a point where you and probably also Ted should. Edges. 
Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. That, that, see, that Daredevil season two is an exploration of how much is too much for a street for a street level hero, and also there's ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does kind of take a weird turn, especially when Electra comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second half of the season does take a, a takes that left in Albuquerque for sure. Yeah. But I mean, all in all, it's mm. not bad. <laughs> But, uh, no, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it ju- it, it is just it's a wild season. And it's kind of it, like it was how... a different take on Electra than than I'm used to seeing. But yeah, this new season of uh, Agents of Shield is kind of taking Ghost uh, Rider that yeah that new turn with Ghost Rider that Daredevil did with their last Ghost Rider is in Agents of Shield now. Yes, are you serious? It's, I'm serious. T- tempering expectations. It's Robbie Reyes, the current yes. comic Ghost Rider, not, not Johnny actually, Blaze. He's not actually a writer. Mm. Yeah, he's he's the Ghost Driver. He's the Ghost. Yeah. Uh, Explain. Right, Robbie Reyes oh, was not Robbie actually. Robbie Reyes is the all new. Well, you guys know how instead of doing Ultimate can, Comics now, when they want to introduce a new concept or a new take, they do all new. So like Thor is um, Jane Foster with the worthiness of Thor, while Odin's son is running around doing his own thing and not feeling like being major superhero. So, like, when Thor okay. shows up, it's Chick Thor, you know, all new Captain America was Falcon uh, running the gig while Steve himself was doing more of a director role. So, the all new Ghost Rider was this guy, Robbie Reyes. And I don't want to say more about him because they did something different with the spirit that possesses okay. him. And I don't know can if Agents of Shield is going I, that way. I, I don't know if Agent Shield is going that way, but can I uh, explain what they did with him in the comic books at least? I guess, so let's just say if you're planning to read the comic books, Spoiler. skip the next two minutes of the podcast. <laughs> if you're not yeah. caught up on that and are interested in reading it, um, for for my brothers, I guess screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the uh, love. The ghost, <laughs> ghost Rider. You, you assume that we would have time to read the comics. <laughs> Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, I, is I, not Anyone actually... who asks, I have an annual Marvel limited subscription and I can give you my password. Let's maybe I shouldn't say that too loud in case someone at Marvel listens. <laughs> But, uh, but I, yeah, yeah. It, it's six months behind current, but it's like almost the entire catalog forever. So, uh, technically, it's like I randomly was like, oh, remember when Venom Ryan. attacked Peter Parker in the 90s? And I can go pull that issue up. Yeah. But, Ryan, uh, it's really handy, even just for referencing feats and stuff online. So, uh, let's talk about Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes is not actually a ghostwriter in the sense that Johnny Blaze was, or, uh, who, Whatever other rioter there's been, I can't even remember. The Danny Cash would be the main yeah. other one you'd be thinking of. So, uh, or even um, what was his name? Vengeance. I forget who he was, but the 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 one with the black skull and the big yeah. and the spikes in his head because the nineties. You so, mean Edgy McEdward, the Ghost Rider? He was the Venom to Ghost Rider. You know, I mean, they had to create like this uh, edgy, darker themed rival character. I thought that was supposed to be like what's his name, Blackheart. An edgier Ghost Rider. Edgier, yeah, Blackheart, Blackheart's, Blackheart's more of a conventional villain. I'm talking about like a rival. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, the spirit like of Venom... Like in terms, this wouldn't be the, the main villain creating the monsters. This would be that other Ranger-esque figure who's constantly fighting them, but secretly you're hoping that they'll join forces by the end. Yeah. Uh, the spirit, but anyway, the spirit of vengeance in uh, this Ghost Rider... Is uh, not the actual spirit of vengeance. It's actually Robbie's uncle, who was a pretty bad dude, 
so bad that he got serial killer. When, yeah, when he died, he got demon like demonized. If that's a word, he basically became a demon, and he is a spirit that, for lack of a better term, infects Robbie as a, you know, a a demonic spirit. So he's possessed by his demon uncle. He's possessed by his demon uncle. Basically, his yeah, his uh, his 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 serial killer uncle died and decided that killing wasn't done with him, so he possesses his nephew. In terms yep. of him to ghost right. Wow. But, but Robbie is able to kind of curb that to just bad guys. Right. And so far... So Robbie, Robbie's also of, cool because he can, he can apply so the powers, which Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing too, is he, he isn't just normal dude writer. He can actually apply limited applications of the power outside of that. Oh, yeah. okay. So he can like pick up whatever he wants and it starts to flame on. Without full skull flame on, right? His his car his car gets a little bit more. De- In the comics, his skull is is weird looking because it's sort of his helmet because he's got like a he's got like a charger. Yeah, he's got a Dodge Charger. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a race car driver. And uh, speaking of which, uh, when his uncle died, the uh, the mob came after him, destroyed his Dodge Charger. And killed him, just as his uncle took over his body and basically made him the rider. So Robbie, so he's what half dead basically too? died. Well, th- yeah. that's how his uncle was able to. I, mean, I think he's fully alive, but he was yeah. killed by the possession. Exactly, and as was the car. But so he doesn't have a bike; he has a car. He has a Dodge Charger. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where oh I feel God. like your level of caring about that depends on is actually inversely proportionate to how much you care about Ghost Rider. Just me. In that, <laughs> if you're a casual person, that seems real wrong. If you're up on Ghost Rider lore, Ghost Rider is basically Marvel Spawn, and they they've been around for ages, and they don't all have motorcycles. Really, only two or three of them have had motorcycles. There's one who rode an elephant. There's one who rode a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone knows. So the notion a of a rider not having uh, a motorcycle well, a lot, isn't well, a problem. In wider lore, that makes sense. But for the series of comics, it seems like that comes off a little wrong because the ones that they've written about have more or less almost all been... Well, that's why this uh, is the all-new Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah. I think they're trying to distinguish him in a few ways from your typical Johnny Blaze story. He also uh, has a 14-year-old little brother named Gabe. Who he has to care for. That he care, he's the caretaker of, yeah. yeah. Who's in a wheelchair. And uh, you don't really want to threaten him via that yeah, way. No. Oh, gee. You press the gay button. You don't say. You shouldn't have did that. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, does... and what I was saying about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it's not completely clear if he's going to be revealed to be possessed by his dead uncle or if he's if they're fusing the notion of a more classic ghostwriter and spirit of vengeance because he does keep talking about selling his soul on the show. Yeah. I uh, I was very shocked that on a network show they kind of hinted to him pulling the spine out of somebody. Uh, yeah, right. By showing the blood splatter and then showing the spine in his hand and then yep. coming back to that later on. Yep. That's why it comes on at 10 o'clock now. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, let's get now to uh, something that everyone's seen.
which, uh, oh, I'm assuming everyone's seen Civil War, which is the best Avengers movie that's not an Avengers movie. Oh. Yeah, right, Avengers yes. 3. Yeah. Um, Avengers 3, no, under well, the Captain no, America test. Like, they've been, they've been very specific about that, and they did a good enough job distinguishing it. They well, because made it was directed sure by the Russos and not that Joss Whedon, so that's why. It did follow Cap's storyline very specifically. Like, they made sure that they were not just uh, doing an Avengers film. They followed him in particular very well. Also, it, it followed tone. The Avengers films have were both directed by Joss Whedon and had a tone, a Whedon-esque yeah. tone. And the Russo brothers, who directed Winter Soldier, directed Civil War, and it felt like a continuation of Winter Soldier. And mm. not just because they were members of uh, the yeah. community cast in the movie. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, too. It's like everyone will be kind of joking in an Avengers film, and then you get into the Cap film, and suddenly everybody's, like, super serious. But then all the jokes you, still you can come. Tell if you're getting, you can tell if you're getting um, lighthearted Natasha or serious assassin Natasha based on her hair. Is her hair down and straight? Then she's not fucking around. But also, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of good jokes, and I think the Russos, during their time in Community, figured that tone because Community is not, as I said, Community uh, before to a lot of people Connor. when I'm saying to watch Community, I tell them that it's Are not you your troubles? typical comedy. I tell them that it's a depressing comedy because that show yeah. gets very depressing at times. When you realize that's not funny because that's actually my life. Or that's not funny, that's actually somebody else's life. Oh, something happened with Connor. Yeah, he might be having an Xbox issue. He, he left the fire team, and that's why I said Connor giving troubles and he didn't say anything, so he might have locked up. Uh, well, I'll pause it here Actually, until he gets back. Huh? Okay, now that we've got uh, Connor back from. Yeah, sorry about that, everybody. That's all right. So wait, so how did Fine, you? you were saying... You're an idiot, friend. Uh, so yeah, we we're talking about uh, Civil War. Ooh, Kai. And we we're talking about. I'm jelly. Apparently, ghost Ryan Rider, missed where which... we were talking about. Ghost Rider. Word. He's a, a ghost. And he writes to us. Not. Never mind. Somebody oh, gave Ryan the we, candy. He's just being weird. Yes, we started it again. Who's Who's opening? Whatever. It's Energizer Trail Mix, I'll have you know, from the Snack Club. Okay, well, now everybody on the podcast knows that. It has no trans fat and no cholesterol. And hopefully they'll sponsor us now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should just edit this out because... Yeah, I would just cut this whole chunk because clearly... (laughs) Possibly. Alright, so, uh... Yeah, no, we're talking... As soon as I get done chewing this nut here, (laughs) we can start back up. Just because I, I can actually hear myself, so <laughs> I'm going to assume this is translating. Uh, you, I know you like the mm-hmm. nut. I'm like a squirrel with my nuts. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I love, love nuts in my mouth. That, I love the fact that Kai made that joke. I'm, I'm and still... And Ted, while presumably still having her muted, made the same joke seconds later. <laughs> they do live together, like... <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> All right. Oh, Connor, if you would back. like to make your way into fire team. Yeah, I'm on my way. You guys making me do edits? Can we do a? Oh wait, no, we can't do skirmish with. Um, while he's doing, while he's loading the game, can we do a skirmish real quick? 
Okay, and now we're back with Connor. Connor's back from uh, that Just mystical break. place in the side in the sky. Uh, wait, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, we were Robert on issues. It's called. Yeah. <laughs> we were on uh, Civil War, which was uh, Russo brothers. Ryan was doing his little take on the Russos, and I was saying that Community uh, is probably the most depressing comedy I've ever watched. And that kind of comes across as how they direct any of the Captain America movies. Right. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot of seriousness yeah. in the in them, but there's also humor that kind of uh, humanizes, if you will. You could, almost say, you could almost say that there's a lot of humor, heart, and, and heroics. Yeah. <laughs> You start singing the Captain Planet theme song. I'm just going to leave. No, no, this is a callback <laughs> to yesterday. No, uh, just to give context, Duncan, we were talking yesterday about uh, the Flash and uh, Arrow and all those, and how Greg Berlanti said that all his shows follow three simple rules. Uh, three simple rules. Uh, that's heart, humor, and heroics. And that's how like they write all of their shows. So yeah, that was just a throwback to yesterday that Duncan wasn't part of. Okay. But uh, so uh, it is a comparatively to the other versus movie that came out. Uh, it is definitely the oh, it's better. So much better. It is. So, yeah. Oh god, it's not even close. And I think most of that is Mm-mm. because we did get a a feel for the characters. Uh, more just like. So can I start so. geeking out about Spider-Man yet? <laughs> uh, I have a feeling that your whole well, family. Hey, wouldn't would... it be my turn to start? It would be Ryan's <laughs> turn to start. Uh, but I'm gonna switch up the the uh, question this time around. Uh-oh. What is the okay. one thing that you would change from Civil War? Hmm. I, I'm going to guess that giving Spider-Man more screen time is not an acceptable. I actually no. thought Spider-Man had acceptable screen time. Yeah, given no, given his like if, his if role they'd, in it. If they'd given him a bigger role, that he actually probably would have it would have felt like he was stealing the show and taking up more time that should have been devoted to the plot. Yeah, if I had to change anything, this might sound weird because it's not that he was underdeveloped, but I might have spent a little more time with Baron Zemo. And maybe it's just would have spent more time grounding Zemo in something akin to his comic roots. That, I mean, they have I, I they have see. like they have cutting room floor original Baron Zemo, they, like script notes that didn't make it in that they then used for the video game adaptation, which isn't strictly speaking canon. But like they do have a reference in the film to Castle Zemo, even though. They didn't really do anything with with old old Helmut. Or wait, which one's Helmut and which one's Heinrich? Is Heinrich is the one that was in Civil War? I think so. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Helmut is the original. But long story short, Zemo is a man with ties to the Nazi Party and Hydra and and he's he's a redeemable character 
who winds up starting off a villain, becoming a hero for funsies, and then actually deciding he likes being a hero and going through a redemption arc. And none of that is really evidence, though they could go that way, considering they didn't kill him off. But they, they, think they for, for, for a franchise that had that delved so deep into the Hydra roots in general, the fact that they have this basically Hydra Golden Boy in it and don't give him any links to any of that is kind of odd. I think they did it simply because they needed the beginning. It's like, Zemo has always been, at least to me, a major player in regards to, say, the Masters of Evil and all that. Right. Well, Masters of Evil is what led to the Thunderbolts, which is very much a thing. I'm aware, but they needed to... But what they needed to do was to introduce this... They need to introduce this first before taking his group and his direction that other direction. Fair enough. Uh, uh, so, uh, also, can I just can I just give a shout out to um, Martin Freeman for randomly being awesome in this movie? Yes. yes. All right. So, uh, Duncan, he's so smarmy; it's hilarious. <laughs> he Duncan, is. What, he what really is the is. one thing that you would change? I would probably have to change more than anything else how certain characters were brought into their sides. We got no real reason as to why Hawkeye sided with Cap instead of Tony. We got no real reason as to why Ant-Man decided to... I mean, yes, I get the logistics of he's a criminal and he's got these powers, they're not going to let him, but it didn't feel like anyone barring a couple of the main characters were invested in what was going on. So, Well, they didn't have so, a well, I actually feel like Ant-Man makes sense. He hates the Starks because he's the protege of Hank Pym who legit hates the Starks. And some of it comes so that's, down that's to a no-brainer too, where it's like, and he was also brought in by the, Falcon, who is Cap's BFF. Remember, I think no, I know a guy. Not, <laughs> it's not just that for me. It's I'm trying to figure out how to word this. My brain doesn't want to work right now. I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that. Some of it you just have to chalk up to, well, they they agree with one side or the other. They don't have time to go into why each character agrees with this side or that. And I think so they left his a couple case, of them too, he's to very much a S.H.I.E.L.D. guy. Okay, Well, that's wouldn't S.H.I.E.L.D.? I th- yeah. Well, no, he's, yeah, it's like, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's government spy guy. Yeah. So he, so. he might have had an issue with the overreach. Oh, you know, like Thunderbolt Ross seems to be someone who got power in the aftermath of this helps, too, if you like watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for example, which which picks up a lot of concepts from um, Winter Soldier and kind of carries them with the whole basically the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the politics surrounding S.H.I.E.L.D. afterwards and how the government treats former S.H.I.E.L.D. assets and et cetera and what they're trying to put in its place. 
So that might actually be a link where Ted and I might have one impression of this stuff and you guys might not because there is a difference if you're a only movie person or if you're watching the shows too. Yeah, it's uh, very true. Especially uh, uh, if you haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Adrian Pazdar, is that how I pronounce his last name? Yeah. Uh, He plays uh, General Talbot. uh, Known from Heroes. Yeah. Or if you're a fan of... uh, Avengers Assemble, he actually plays Iron Man. But Oh, he did his voice? Yeah, he does uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man for I could actually see him. He has that he he can do that kind of smarmy Stark style voice. Which he kind of does in Agents of Shield. Well, he did in Agents of Shield. He actually, uh, yeah. Not that he died <laughs> or anything. He's just for whatever reason not in this season yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. I mean, there're only two episodes in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, they kind of go over, before even the Sokovia Accords were a thing, they kind of go over that in, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they have this whole thing where they're trying to, uh, basically register powered people, uh, just to find them and help them. And the government kind of has their own idea, and S.H.I.E.L.D. has their own idea. And they butt heads a lot. So, okay. that might be where there is That kind of feeds into that. Yeah. I, I, it might, again, that could be considered a flaw. I'm if you're sure. not watching their entire expanded universe, they are putting in elements of this in other properties. So the question there is... Is the fact that it's awesome for people who are following it, does that make it okay that people who are only following certain parts of it might feel that they're missing bits of story? Not to mention that now we also have uh, a splinter group of agents uh, that Mm -hmm. are following the beat of their own drummer. Kind of the same way that, you know, Iron Man and those guys follow the Sokovia Accords and... uh, you know, Captain America is off doing his own thing, not registering with the Sokovia Accords, and they talk about that too. Actually, if I could amend my own answer from before, maybe the nature of the Sokovia Accords themselves, because I feel like some of this would have been simpler if we were simply talking about superhero registration in and of itself, like the yeah. comics, the Superhero Registration Act. But they couldn't well, do they that because... Yeah. because when already... you say that, it's all there on the manual. You know what we're fighting for, superhumans having to register. The Sokovia Except... Accords doesn't really throw much at you. Well, the problem with superhuman registration is that nobody has a secret identity, really. Like, most of them are publicly known. But they, part of the Supreme Registration Act was the 58 Initiative. So I, I understand why the movie couldn't go into that specifically. But part of the act, it also it was registering in order to use your powers, a la some kind of superpowered police force. The Scobie Accords kind of touch on that, too, but they were a little vaguer. Like, they never really got into what the meat and potatoes of was it, because Tony was saying, well, this is just sort of what we put down on paper real quick, and Cap was like, fuck you, right off the bat, and then Tony got him to almost it sign it, ba- and then he said something, and then he mentioned there was, someone being on house arrest, and Cap lost his shit. It was always about, like, Tony's like, we need to be, there needs to be oversight. It was all about, um, should we or should we not put ourselves at the government's disposal instead of deciding what to do ourselves? 
Right, but I what I feel is that in the comics, the form of that oversight was actually well laid out. And then when people were belled, it was based on objective data of what was going down. We had a lot of people just upset at the concepts of what could go wrong in the movie because they never actually fully outlined what exactly well, yeah, but they didn't have by the accords. They didn't have time to show Like, like Captain took Captain Moral stand that Wanda was put on comfy house arrest while they ironed out certain things because she blew up some people, which I don't think was unreasonable, personally. And But Cap, like, threw a legit fucking hissy fit. Whereas in the comics, when Cap is, is taking his moral stand, it's because people are being locked up in the freaking negative zone in, in power-dampening shackles without due process. Very like, true. there are legit, re- like, cape killer yeah, squads are going around beating the shit out of teenage up. superheroes because they're, they think they're fighting the law. Well, we don't, and they're we getting also don't, brutalized. We don't you know, own Cap, the, uh, when, when, when Peter's told to be brought in, he them. almost gets murdered by the squad that Tony sent. Yeah, I'm kind of rambling here, but what I'm saying is there are legit overreaches of, like, a dictator-type level that are why the anti-registration people are given credibility in the comic. And in the film, I don't feel like you get that. Yes, but you don't have time to do all of that. That would take at least a good half hour of screen, of screen time out of the movie. It would. It's too much to try and pump in. If they tried to to set up all these conflicts and show all of them happening... It, would, it wouldn't have left enough time for the rest of the movie. I'm not saying they had to show all that in. I'm just saying they could have better outlined what the Zakovia Accords entailed. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and maybe had a better a better line-in-the-sand issue than just um, Ryan, if Wanda I may. having to watch Netflix for a little bit. Ryan, if I may. Uh, I think what Ryan is trying to say as he's eating his snacks... That's not me, actually. Really? Oh. Somebody else is chomping. Must be Duncan. I'm putting away my snacks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ooh. But uh, what Ryan Sorry. is trying to there say is that, and it wouldn't take half an hour, it would just be... Got three damn kills? Basically one thing that uh, Ross would have to say, or someone would have to say, or look at while they're reading the Accords, is that super-powered people not registered would be imprisoned. Something to that effect, yeah. Throw some stakes on the stuff. I mean, look at it. It's very simple. I mean, this is the X-Men issues brought in... Well, that's one of the problems, is that actually the Superhuman Registration Act came off the Mutant Registration Act, and that's not a thing they have the rights to talk about. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm looking at it as the hard line is they want every single mutant, and in this, every single superpowered individual, to register with the government. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. And I think, Connor, what you're kind of getting at, though, is that in this universe, outside of random Inhumans from the TV show that the movies, for some reason, don't feel like referencing that much, um, who does this apply to that isn't an Avenger or villain already? Yeah. And actually, they they do uh, they had the Inhuman Registration Act on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last right. season. I yeah, there was a, there was a big like... sort of powered arm race as, as Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. were racing to bring in in humans i personally kind of felt like um these covia accords weren't a way to register or even to rein in it was a way to control the heroes and it almost came down to a matter of trust do the people trust the avengers these enhanced individuals to use their powers the correct way 
or do we trust the government enough to give them control over these individuals? And be perfectly honest, based on what I've seen from the Zakovia Accords and Ross and everything, I'd have to side with Cap. Yeah, like look at our own climate in the modern world. I would probably say leave the heroes to their own work until they do something unacceptable. Yeah, maybe I mean, that's yeah, part she, of the problem too. Up, in the comics, the Stanford incident is fairly uh, clear cut that they done fucked up, which is really right. weird. Also, can we whereas when look w- at the comics for a second when, when they're when the they're Stanford going into issue? like the past Marvel movies, it's like oh the Battle of New York, and I'm like okay Loki sucks, but I mean what were you guys gonna do? Yeah, it's like, okay, and it's like they put Wanda under house arrest for uh, killing a couple Wakandans. She got the bomb off the ground. How many people were on the ground? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's always been my aggravation, is like, she failed to get it as high as it should, as she wanted it to be, but she did get it off of grand le- ground level out of the crowded marketplace. Died. And the person who died. set off the bomb in that marketplace was a back... That's what I'm saying. In the comics, when they were bringing up the moral issue of superhuman fuck-uppery, you actually had clear, like, yeah, these guys fucked up. They were grandstanding, and they got a bunch of kids killed. In the movie, it's like, even Ultron, yeah. like, I'm part of me sitting there, like, Tony's taking all this grief on himself for having created Ultron. I'm like, but you didn't. You ran some scans, and the Infinity Stone that was powering it turned itself on. Like, that's cosmic level. You even said yourself, like, we weren't even close. He, Like, he and Bruce say that, so I think it's unfair when he keeps having to take it on the chin for Ultron. Mm-hmm. I'm like they, they they scanned the stone. He was they weren't intending to do anything, but if but he is the only one who can be held accountable, and he was meddling with something that he had no way to understand. So I can understand him like taking that one on himself. Okay, I right. But I'm saying is, when we're using that kind of thing as like the linchpin to, of like uh, we need accountability. This is a good point. Like to he needs to be accountable to Asgard Ryan. for for being sneaky about their their listening. staff. <laughs> Sorry. This is a good point to drop off and uh, just talk uh, the uh, uh, the adjacent projects of Marvel that hopefully one day will uh, be folded in to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because I know Ryan was talking about uh, X-Men and actually Duncan just brought up X-Men 2 with the Mutant Registration Act. But uh, let's talk about that state right just right now because uh, there was this little movie in February that happened that kind of uh, forgave the sins of the past, hmm. if you will. Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, Deadpool basically gave us the movie that we wanted in a yeah. non-Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. but could be a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie just because there are references actually to the Marvel Cinematic Universe without being a like reference. How the, how the final battle takes place on a shield helicarrier? Exactly. I uh, have not <clears throat> even noticed that. Yep. That is awesome. Uh, so uh, Deadpool basically the Deadpool movie that everyone wanted. Uh, there's not oh, really yes. much no, it, fault it was... to that movie. Nigh on perfect. Uh, And it was really good. Uh, Then we had X-Men Apocalypse after that. Which was alright. I liked it. It wasn't perfect, but I liked it. Uh, And, I mean, 
like the X-Men movies, as long as we're not talking about X-Men uh, United. Or not X-Men United. Is that... Last Stand? Uh, Last Stand. X2? No, X- oh, Last Stand. Yeah, X-Men Last Stand. As long as we're not talking about X-Men Last Stand, there are problems with X-Men movies, but you can overlook most of them. If you're not talking well, I mean, about Last Stand... I, 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 I had the same level problem with the first the X-Men movie, to be fair, but... Yeah. They, um, they started the superhero movie craze of modern times. Yeah. Like, you have yeah. to at least give you them... You have to respect it. Yeah, respect for that. But So, there's all that. Uh, and also, in fairness, unlike every other superhero movie that came after, they didn't have anything to work off of. They had no examples. There were no templates, yeah. They, they grew in and of themselves. Like, if you compare how they portray Wolverine in the first X-Men to its sequel... Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there's a and they are still better they than learn. some of mo- than some modern superhero movies. <coughs> Fantastic. Uh, let's uh, not talk about. Let's well, just since not we're talking about Fox. Well, yeah, we're talking just... about Fox. Let's go there. <laughs> Do we have to go Fant there? Four stick. Because four stick. The uh, the Roger Why? Corman. I feel like they deserve us to go there. The Roger Corman. Like they, right. You fucked that up so hard. Uh, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie was better. Than fan four stick. Yes, yes, it was. The unreleased thing. That's that. that's hard. That's hard for me to admit, just because that in and of itself was a terrible superhero movie. It was never released in theaters or on uh, DVD, VHS, what have you. Uh, but we've all seen it somehow. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've seen. I I can't remember where the first leak was. We can all agree on something else too. Best Fantastic Four movie ever is called The Incredibles. That's true. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, how about this? Fantastic Four was on TV a few weeks back. The one, not the one like with Jessica Alba and all. The Jessica Alba. Yeah, and I thought to myself, "Oh, Fantastic Four. Then I read the cast and I said, "Oh, okay, the good one." And then I thought, "When did that become a (laughs) phrase my brain would create?" (laughs) Seriously. I hate Fan Four Stick for making that other Fantastic Four movie seem good. Oh uh, yeah, Rise of the Silver is, Surfer is, is good it, yes. in comparison to that movie. So, uh, Rise of the oh, Silver God. Surfer, at the very least, has a better yeah. Doom. Yeah. To be fair, everything true. has a better Doom. That's true. And what is with all Fantastic Four's movies? Um, uh, their intent on using some weird bastardization of Ultimate Doom in some way or another. Why can't he just be this amazingly intelligent guy with Iron Man and magic-powered suit? Why can't he have his own country? Yeah. Why can't he have a science suit? Like, why is everything like, and then he got metal skin from the... No. I will... And also, why, yeah, nobody touches on the fact that he is a sorcerer roughly on par with Stephen fucking Strange. Like, Marvel could and would do all these things if they could only get those rights. Yep. And in, in Fanforstic, the ending, the ending battle, where let's, the Fantastic Four were being not. crushed by omnipotence, and then, and then they read Chris's book and got good. As far as I could tell, that's what happened. That yeah, that's the only difference. They just they were losing, and then they decided they didn't want to lose anymore. Okay. 
Fair enough. Uh, and on that note, I think we should just end this kind of like they should have ended Fantastic Four before it began. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we have, uh... Should they, at this point, should they just make a future Foundation movie? Probably. At least that would have Spidey. True. That would. Maybe that's the end game. Hopefully if they ever... What, make Fantastic Four suck so bad that... They have to get the rights back unless they have an established (laughs) Spider-Man. Alright, so uh, this has been CB2MP uh, with the Gill Boys and me, Ted. So, see you guys. Later. Say goodnight, Ryan. See ya. Goodnight, Ryan.